0: The sun was going down, and I knew I needed to make my way to the hotel down the street. Travelers around these parts were still brutal, and I didn't want to get caught out here alone with them after dark. Once I was settled into bed and about to fall asleep, I caught a shadow moving out of the corner of my eye. Suddenly, I found myself unable to breathe. The room went pitch black, and all I could feel was a pair of hands around my throat. I tried to fight it off, but there was nothing to fight. I kicked and I tried to scream, but nothing, just nothing. I felt my life slipping away with that last breath that left my body lifeless. Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world. From haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings, we will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today we are discussing the Magnolia Hotel in Seguin, Texas, dubbed the Texas Horror Hotel by the Ghost Adventures Show from the Travel Channel. So if you're into travel and all things scary, listen close and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination, but hopefully not your final destination. If you enjoy this show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Also, check out EerieCast.com for more scary podcasts such as Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we explore horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. I'm Kate. And this is the horrifying tale of my one and only ghost hunt. It was summer break 2010, after my senior year, and my parents surprised me with a trip to New Braunfels. In case you don't know, that's in Texas. They had everything planned for me and two of my closest friends, Sam and Letty. This would be our last time together for a long time. Sam was headed out of state for college in a month and Letty was leaving to travel abroad for the next two years. I was also starting college in the fall, about an hour from my home. This would be our last chance to be kids before entering the real world. I was excited to float down the Comal River and enjoy two days of pure leisure bliss with my friends, reminiscing and laughing. After two days of floating down the river, we were exhausted. And looking more like red lobsters than teenagers with good sense. We decided to take in the sights instead of roasting in the sun again. The Texas heat was no joke. It wasn't long before Sam spotted a sign that said, Ghost Tours. And she practically begged us to go. She was behaving more like a toddler than an almost adult. She won. I was hesitant to go, considering ghosts weren't my thing. I wasn't even sure if such a thing could actually exist. While I knew I would enjoy learning about the history around the town, I wasn't so sure about the things that go bump in the night. I do love history, and this place was overflowing with incredible life-altering events. Although history and legend seem to be intertwined into one here, it seems to be that way in the surrounding towns as well. By the end of the tour, even my logical mind was wondering and open to the possibility of ghosts. My head was so full of all the local haunts, history, and mysteries, but my mind kept wandering back to the murder of young Emma Volker, a young girl who was murdered in her own bed. The story of her death, her killer, and her ghost is legendary. We had been to the site of her death, her grave, and where her killer had been gunned down in his jail cell. But there was one more significant location connected to the girl that we had yet to see. The Magnolia Hotel. It was in the neighboring town of Seguin, which was only 15 miles away. We knew it would be getting dark soon, but we couldn't resist. We were leaving in the morning, so it was now or never. At this point, Sam had gone into full ghost hunting mode, while Letty was just along for the ride completely unbothered by all the ghost stories. She was just happy we were together. We were just a few miles out of Seguin when a large animal jumped out in front of my car. I slammed on my brakes and swerved into the oncoming lane of traffic, trying to dodge the large animal. Then I had to jerk back just in time to miss an 18-wheeler that was coming straight for my car. Astonishingly enough, we made it to the shoulder of the road unharmed. I was in tears when I looked around to check on my friends, thinking I had just killed them. They were both in shock and terrified. Sam asked, What the hell was that, Kate? Are you trying to kill us all? Letty added, You didn't have to kill me to keep me from going to Europe, you know. Sam and I both looked at her and couldn't help but break into crying laughter. I am so sorry, you guys. Something ran out in front of the car. It was big. I think I missed it, but I'm going to get out and check. Good idea, said Sam. "Uh, I'll wait here if you don't mind. Still might throw up, Letty said from the back seat. It wasn't dark yet, but we were losing daylight. I was holding my breath, praying I didn't damage my mom's car. I was so relieved when I realized there wasn't a scratch on it. Sam laughed and nudged my shoulder. You lucky devil, your mom would have killed you. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry at that moment. That thing was the size of a horse. I don't know how I didn't hit it. Sam shrugged. Consider yourself lucky. Now let's get out of here. I nodded in agreement. When I turned around, I felt my soul leave my body. There was a figure. No A person. A girl standing almost nose to nose with me. I screamed and jumped back, my heart feeling like it was being ripped out of my chest. Sam was by my side before I even realized what was happening. But the girl spoke first. I am so, so sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I saw you swerve, and I just wanted to make sure you were okay. That was it. I thought I was dead. I'd let all the ghost stories from today scare me into oblivion. I'm not sure how long I stared before Sam reached around me to shake the stranger's hand. She's got cat-like reflexes. Too bad she was never that fast on the volleyball field. They both chuckled. Finally, I spoke up. We're okay. Thank you for stopping to check on us. You didn't have to. Oh, I didn't stop. I was walking on the shoulder. I'm headed into town to check out some of the local scary stuff. No way, Sam blurted. We're headed to the creepy hotel in town. You should totally come with us. Sam, you can't just invite strangers into my car off the side of the road. No offense. None taken. I'm Jade, by the way. She extended her hand to me. See, she's not a stranger now, is she, Kate? Would you like to go with us? Sam chuckled. After playing musical chairs in my car, we got back on the road, the four of us. I swear, if Sam hadn't been my best friend since kindergarten, I would have left her with Jade on the side of the road. Of all the places we had stopped today, none of them felt quite like this one. When we pulled up on the street that ran in front of the Magnolia Hotel, it was dead. There were no cars, no people, no animals, just nothing. The building was in a state of decay, battered by the elements. The color had mutated into a putrid yellow, reminding me of a very rotten banana. The windows were cloudy with years of built-up dirt. It didn't look like anyone had cared for it in a very long time. Getting out of the car, there was an intense feeling. It felt like someone had put weight on my chest. The building was the epitome of a haunted house. It checked every box. My skin was crawling before either of my feet hit the ground. This is awesome, Sam said with such enthusiasm. The sign was still hanging on the face of the building in bold letters. Magnolia much like the building it too was a shadow of its former self sam and jade were sharing small talk back and forth about the place but i couldn't take my eyes off it then something caught my eye there was a person looking out at us from one of the second floor windows every hair that could stand on my body jumped to attention and i felt a cold chill run wildly down my spine guys We shouldn't be here. We're being watched. I barely managed to spit out. There isn't anybody in there. Trust me, you probably saw a ghost. I couldn't tell if Jade was serious or not. No, I'm serious. There was a man looking at us through the window. I was pointing in the direction of the window, where I thought I saw the man. Letty stepped up and grabbed my hand. Sam, I think you've officially freaked poor Katie girl out. Just five more minutes. Please, guys. Jade says she knows a way in through the back stairway. I just want to peek. You can't bring me to a literal haunted hotel and not go inside. Sam pleaded. Spooked, I argued back. You're kidding. You want to go inside? Have you lost your mind? Letty intervened, as usual. Okay, you two, let's not argue. You both have valid points. We have maybe ten minutes before it's dark out. Going into a creepy abandoned building with a hitchhiker seems like a perfect idea. I sighed, and Letty continued. I read a book like this. It didn't end well. Pretty sure everyone died. We all glared at Letty. Sam was getting frustrated. Whatever, weirdos. I'm going inside with Jade. You two can stay outside like a couple of big chickens. And then I finally gave in. Fine, let's get this over with. You know we're all going to catch a breaking and entering charge. But you only live once, right? That's the spirit, Katie girl. Sam laughed.
1: With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: The Magnolia Hotel in Seguin, Texas is claimed to be one of the most haunted places in the state. From its dark, twisted underbelly to the spirit's claim to still roam the grounds, it exudes an air of mystery. Seguin itself stands as one of the oldest towns in Texas. Tracing its roots back to 1838, when a small group of frontier rangers who had fought for Texas independence established it. Originally named Walnut Springs due to its nearby water sources, the town's identity evolved. In 1853, the town was officially incorporated and given the name Seguin after Colonel Juan Seguin, a Tejano figure who stood alongside the Texans in their struggle against the infamous Mexican dictator Santa Ana. The year 1840, following Texas' victory in its fight for independence, marked a time of substantial German immigration to the area. This trend continued until the 19th century albeit with a notable slowdown during the Civil War from 1861 to 1865. In 1840, James Campbell, a co-founding ranger of Seguin, embarked on the construction of a small two-room cabin, which would later play a role in the Magnolia Hotel's history. Intriguingly, the wood employed in constructing the cabin was originally designated for a never-realized town shelter. Remarkably, Vestiges of the bark from those trees can still be observed to this day. Regrettably, Campbell's tenure on the property was brief before his life met a brutal end. His involvement in the council house fight in San Antonio on March 19, 1840, was a consequential event. This altercation saw the death of 30 Pentateca Comanche leaders, along with warriors, women, and children at the hands of Texan troops. The aftermath of this incident kindled Comanche animosity towards those who had taken part and engendered hostility towards the white population of Texas. Campbell's demise transpired during a cattle drive when he was ambushed and attacked by two Comanches. Subsequently, his comrades discovered his body, revealing a gruesome scene. He had been stabbed 27 times, scalped, robbed of his horses and possessions, and left for dead. They laid him to rest at the location of the assault, a mere mile away from the cabin. Although his physical demise did not occur within the walls of the Magnolia, his spirit is said to linger. Some assert they can hear the creaking of his rocking chair, or catch a whiff of cigar smoke, suggesting his ethereal presence. Following Campbell's passing, Joseph F. Johnston stepped onto the scene. In 1844, Johnston purchased the cabin, subsequently constructing the original three-room hotel using Limecrete behind the cabin. This establishment evolved into Seguin's first stagecoach stop, playing host to various events over the ensuing years. Notably, the hotel bore witness to the union of famous Texas ranger Captain John Jack Coffey Hayes and Susan Calvert in 1847. Their nuptials were officiated by the hotel's owner and Susan's father. In a time when the town lacked a newspaper, the hotel became a gathering point for locals seeking to exchange news and information. The early years of the hotel were marked by frequent changes in ownership leading to numerous additions and alterations to both the building and its surrounding grounds. Amidst these changes, a substantial raid shelter was also erected alongside the existing structures. This shelter had a multitude of roles over the course of decades. It initially served as the first jail for the town of Seguin, and the unimaginable horrors that transpired within its subterranean confines are chilling. Earning the dubious distinction of being considered the worst jail in Texas is a notable feat, especially considering the state's historical context. The exact duration of its use as a jail remains unclear, yet it endured long enough for the town to construct its own facility, forever branding the Magnolia as one of Texas's most notorious jails. Adjacent to the hotel, there stood a renowned hanging tree, a grim witness to lawless times. Beneath its branches, many met their fate at the end of a rope. In later years, the shelter assumed the role of safeguarding locals against Comanche raids. Subsequently, during the era of Prohibition, it transformed into a speakeasy. Interestingly, some of the hotel's darkest moments trace back to its earliest days. In the year 1850, Dr. William Reed and William Carpenter undertook a monumental addition, a substantial wooden structure that linked the original cabin to the three-room building constructed by Johnson. This expansion elevated the Magnolia to the status of Seguin's largest hotel at the time. With aspirations to establish the Magnolia as a coveted destination, Reed and Carpenter curated an elegant and inviting atmosphere, making it a preferred rest stop for the arduous journeys across Texas. During this period, a bell from the Alamo graced the hotel's front lawn, its chimes signaling the arrival of stagecoaches and the call for meals. This bell retained its place until the year 1900, when the Daughters of the Republic took it back to its original home, the Alamo. Under their ownership, the hotel thrived for many years. The significance of the underground raid shelter resurfaced on July 4, 1855. During a dire moment when Seguin faced a fervent Comanche raid, amid the panic and terror, three men were kidnapped, prompting women and children to seek refuge beneath the sheltering arms of the magnolia tree. Faced with adversity, they banded together, fashioning bullets and sharpening knives to pass the tense hours. In 1859, the hotel exchanged hands once more finding new owners in Thomas Dickey Johnston and his wife, Catherine Calvert Johnston. Despite the challenges posed by the Civil War, they upheld the hotel's operation and prosperity. However, the hotel's history took a sinister turn on July 22, 1874, when it unwittingly opened its doors to a cold-blooded killer. Under the Shroud of Night, Wilhelm Faust embarked on a sinister mission. Riding for two arduous hours, he reached the home of the Volker family in New Braunfels. Stealthily entering through the back door, he advanced to the bedroom of 12-year-old Emma Volker. With an axe in hand, he carried out a brutal attack on the figure lying on the floor beside the bed. Tragically, the victim he believed to be his wife, Helena Faust, turned out to be young Emma. Faust's error became painfully apparent, but too late to undo the horrific act. Helena awoke amidst the chaos, only to endure a strike across her face that robbed her of her sight for the remainder of her days. Despite her survival, she remained unable to identify her assailant. Faust fled the scene, seeking refuge at the Magnolia Hotel, As the sun rose the following morning, news of the shocking murder had already spread far and wide. Amidst the unfolding chaos, a murderer remained at large. Faust had ostensibly left for a business trip in Seguin, convincing his wife Helena to stay at the Volker residence, a common practice in the past. Speculation swirled, suggesting that he had even instructed her to sleep on the floor beside the bed on multiple occasions. Rumors circulated that his affections were directed towards his wife's sister, fueling suspicions of his desire to eliminate his wife. Beyond these conjectures, his seeming lack of concern for his wife, who had narrowly escaped death, cast further suspicion on him. Despite his later confession, it took two years and a substantial amount of evidence to finally secure Faust's conviction for Emma's murder. While detained at the Comal County Jail, Faust allegedly confessed to multiple murders, inciting local outrage and necessitating his relocation to the Comal Courthouse. Yet, these efforts were thwarted when an unidentified gunman shot Faust through his cell window. Though widely believed to be Julian Volker, Emma's father, this theory was never conclusively proven. Throughout this ordeal, Helena steadfastly refused to believe in Wilhelm's guilt, even after his confession. Remarkably, the room Faust occupied at the Magnolia, after the murder, is said to be haunted by his lingering spirit. Owners and visitors alike also claim that the ghost of young Emma remains intertwined with her killer and the hotel throughout the passage of time. Following the Civil War, Texas embarked on the Reconstruction Era, During this transformative period, the hotel became a base of operations for Union soldiers, with the underground shelter even serving as lodging for the troops. President Ulysses S. Grant himself stayed at the establishment while overseeing the army's supervision of the reconstruction of the former Confederate states. Echoes of this time are still evident, with relics like bullets left behind by the soldiers. By the 1800s, the hotel had resumed its operations thriving for nearly five decades. It even had a role to play during the Prohibition era, operating as a speakeasy. The raid shelter continued to be a concealed refuge, a hidden spot for smugglers, complete with an escape tunnel in the event of a raid. After serving as a hotel for eight decades, the Lanham family acquired the building in 1927, converting it into apartments on the upper floors while making it their home on the ground level. Their stewardship of the historic structure endured until their passing, ultimately leaving the legacy to their descendants. However, a somber period would follow the Magnolia. Once a bustling hub, it was abandoned and left to decay for over three decades. During this time, it became a haven for less savory individuals passing through Seguin. The building's plight was so dire that it found itself on Texas' list of most endangered landmarks in a last-ditch effort at preservation before potential destruction. In a twist of fate, luck smiled upon the Magnolia once more in 2013, when Aaron and Jim Getty took on the monumental task of purchasing the historic building. The state of disrepair was alarming, with rooms filled with remnants of squatters' presence. Undeterred by the challenges, Aaron and Jim embarked on a mission to restore the building to its former glory, aiming to revive its 1850s ambience. While their restoration endeavors began with grand aspirations, they soon found themselves entangled in a surge of paranormal activity that rattled contractors and caused significant setbacks. Not backing down in the face of spectral manifestations, Aaron and Jim recognized the need to coexist with these ethereal entities. Seeking assistance, they enlisted a well-known local psychic to aid Aaron in communicating with the spirits and identifying their presence. Aaron Getty possesses the unique ability to communicate with these spirits, complemented by her reputation as a distinguished historian and published author. Her skill in spirit communication, coupled with her historical expertise, has greatly aided in identifying the lingering souls within the building. Thus far, they have uncovered the presence of 13 spirits, each seemingly tied to the hotel due to a tragic demise or a deep-seated attachment. Throughout the restoration process, the Getty family remained committed to preserving as much of the historical fabric as possible. While they renovated a small section of the upstairs, which they transformed into an Airbnb for those seeking a first-hand encounter with the spirits. They deliberately left the remaining areas untouched. Stepping into the unrenovated section is akin to a journey back in time, devoid of modern amenities such as electricity, air conditioning, and running water. The floors have been stripped down to their wooden origins, revealing the layers on the walls and the diverse materials used throughout the building's history. It's a hauntingly beautiful experience, resonating with the past. The uncharted territory upstairs feels akin to navigating through a living museum. Each room is christened with the name of its spectral inhabitant. There, in the front right room on the second floor, resides the spirit of the murderer, Faust. Surprisingly, Getty senses an aura of cowardice emanating from his essence a stark contrast to her initial expectations of unease or anger. Young Emma's spirit often graces the children's room, where toys invite not only the living, but also the ethereal children's spirits to play. Madame Pink Rosebud, a permanent resident of the Magnolia, was known for her exceptional kindness and generosity until the day she inexplicably vanished. Another wandering spirit is Idella Lampkin, a local psychic who spent much of her time at the hotel conducting psychic readings for passing guests. Now, turning attention to the spirit known as Itsy. This entity finds its domain in a small room on the back side of the second story, featuring a closet and two windows. During renovations, Getty reported hearing the closet open and close in that room, accompanied by the faint strains of a haunting melody, the Itsy Bitsy Spider crawled up the water spout. This spectral presence earned the moniker Itzy. Subsequently, it was revealed that the room had once accommodated a single mother and her daughter, long-term residents. The mother would leave her daughter there while she worked, and the closet became a refuge when the young girl felt scared. This little girl's name was Izzy. Over the span of a century and a half, the Magnolia has been a witness to myriad tragedies, murders, illnesses, and self-inflicted deaths. These spirits, each with a distinct story to tell, remain as poignant echoes of history. In the decades since the Getty family assumed ownership of the Magnolia, remarkable transformations have occurred, with much more still to come. The site has become a magnet for paranormal researchers, investigators, and television shows, all united in the discovery of a singular truth. Entering the Magnolia means being in the company of more than just the living. As we headed toward the front of the Magnolia Hotel, Jade pointed to the right side of the building and said there was a door at the back that we could enter through. She was right. There was a wood door that had to have been a hundred years old, sitting ajar. Sam was far too ecstatic to enter. She went in after Jade. Then Letty and I followed. When we stepped in, there was a small landing big enough for the door to swing open and meet a set of stairs to take us to the second story. There was a small window at the top that illuminated the path. The stairwell reeked of mold and decay. The dusty wooden stairs were creaky and immensely horrifying. There were giant holes in the walls, the size of a person. I was still taking in the sight of the stairwell when I realized I was all alone. The others had made their way upstairs. I picked up the pace, along with my heart rate, to catch up with the group. Although the building had many windows, the sun was going down, and it had started to get quite dark inside. I almost ran over Letty once I had caught up with them. I don't know how to fully describe what I saw once we were up there. The building was so old, left to crumble for so long. There were piles and piles of filth left behind by squatters and drug users. The wall layers were peeling and falling to the floor, revealing 200 years of paint, wallpaper, and drywall layer after layer. The ceiling was very much the same layers peeling and falling. Don't get me started on the smell. It was a ghastly scent, a combination of garbage, mold, and decay. I had to pull my shirt up over my nose to help dampen the stench. I begged Sam to make the tour quick. I wasn't sure how long I could handle the smell. We had to pass through a doorway and a small hallway that led to the rest of the building. It was more of the same, peeling walls. Creaky floorboards, dirt, stench, and vandalism. We made our way to the front corner of the building, to the room where I saw the man watching us from the street. The room was empty. There was no sign that anyone had been there in quite some time either. I could have sworn there had been a man in here though. I walked over to the window to look outside when I felt a pair of hands reach around my waist. I just knew Sam had been waiting to catch me off guard and try to scare me. But when I reached down to grab the hand, there wasn't one. I spun around so fast I almost fell. No one was standing anywhere close enough to touch me. Gu- guys? Guys! Something just touched me! I was in full panic mode. I didn't imagine that. I want to get the hell out of here now. Sam walked over and grabbed my hand. It's okay, Katie girl. There's nobody here that can hurt you. But come on, we can go. Jade said this was the room the murderer stayed in after killing that little girl. Guess the rumors are true. He still lives here. I know she was trying to make light of the situation, so I wouldn't bolt and leave them. But a disembodied person just touched me. I must be dreaming. We had made it back to the small hallway that we had walked through on our way in. Jade stopped and looked up. There was the entrance to the attic, just a small square cut right out of the ceiling. She smiled and said, This is where I stay. Maybe one day you'll come visit me again. Sam, Letty, and I all gave each other awkward side-eye. Wait, you live in the attic of this dump? Sam protested. Well, not exactly by choice. Shh, he's coming. You must get out of here. Now, if he finds you... We were completely paralyzed where we stood. The look of absolute horror on her face. We could hear loud thundering footsteps overhead. An angry man's voice bellowed. Jade! Jade had tears in her eyes when she told us again to run. I wasn't prepared for what happened next. A ghastly, unnaturally large arm, with fingers so long they appeared to be claws, reached down out of the attic hole and grabbed Jade by the throat. She let out the most horrifying cry I had ever heard. The fingers dug in her throat and ripped it out. In unison, the three of us started screaming and turned to run. The door in the small hallway behind us slammed shut. With such force, I was sure it broke. It was so dark at this point, we couldn't see a damn thing. But we were running. When we reached the stairwell, I tripped and fell all the way down. Sam and Letty came running down after my tumbling body. They scooped me up and dragged me the rest of the way outside and all the way to my car. We were all shaking and crying so hard. I was unable to drive. So Sam jumped into the driver's seat, and we sped away. Letty picked up her phone and dialed 911. She tried explaining what we had just witnessed, but it was impossible. Sam pulled over a couple of blocks from the building. She kicked the door open and emptied the contents of her stomach on the road. I had already lost mine in the back seat. None of us said a word for a long time. We were just trying to take in what we had just seen. We refused to return to the location, so the officers hauled us down to their local station. They asked to speak to us individually. I just knew we were in deep trouble. Four went in and three came out. They put me in a small interrogation room with white walls that reeked of dirty socks. An officer walked in and sat down at the table across from me and released a heavy sigh before he started to speak. Well, whose idea was this little prank? I know we're a small department and things get a little dull around here, but y'all just cost this county a lot of money. I was confused. Prank? What are you talking about? I just watched a girl get her throat ripped out. How is that a prank? The officer just shook his head. We searched the whole building, inside and out. There wasn't a single drop of blood, let alone a mutilated body and a murderer. My head was spinning. No body, no blood. I know what we saw. I want to call my parents, was all I could muster through my tear-filled eyes. I thought I was going to throw up again. The officer informed me that they had called our parents hours ago and that they should be there soon. The next four hours were brutal, waiting for their arrival and for the department to let us go. Mom and Dad took us back to the hotel that we'd been staying in. They wanted us to bathe, eat, and rest before we told them what happened. They believed every word we said without even questioning it. Sam, you talked to her the whole time we were together. What did she say? Did she tell you where she was from? Anything? Sam shook her head like she was trying to remember some forgotten memories. I don't remember anything she said to me. It's like the conversations are cloudy and I can't remember. Letty finally speaks up and says, Do you think she was another one of the ghosts? Thank you for joining us to walk with the spirits of the Magnolia Hotel in Seguin, Texas. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions and stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion@gmail.com, at gmail.com, or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. Go to ericast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. Until next time, be safe out there. Until I see you at our next destination.